So first of all, my apologies. I was invaded by germs during the week. Uh, they won to some extent. I've been trying to evict them. Most of them are gone and some of them are still hanging around. Uh, but hopefully you'll be able to understand me well enough. If not, I can try signing, but I'm not very good at that either. So probably just listen and uh, that will be the best for you. And of course, you can always get copies of the messages. So you can download those uh, free from our website midweek onwards. They're as an MP3. Uh, if you want to go old school, you could actually order those as a CD. And of course, you can also watch us uh, on our YouTube channel channel live but of course you don't need to because you're right here Uh, but again during the week you can watch that if you wish to so always wanting to provide opportunities for you to be spoken to by God uh, through his word which is exactly what we're going to be doing this morning. So this month our series is on beginnings it's our overall focus for the year and it's also the theme for this particular month uh, in addition to that and so I've got a title for you which hopefully will get you thinking a little bit which is really what today's message is about. I'm not necessarily going to be providing you with a whole bunch of um, specific answers but what I am going to be doing is guiding you towards God, guiding you towards listening to the Holy Spirit checking out his word and seeing the sorts of things that God has planned for you because they're going to be biblical principles and ways in which God wants to speak to you. So my title then is The Chicken or the Egg. Most of you are probably familiar uh, with that phrase, the chicken or the egg, Uh, and the little story that goes with that, of course, is you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg. So I kind of played on that a little bit for my title this morning, even though we're talking about beginnings. But the reason I did that is because When you have a beginning, it normally means that something else has ended. And so beginnings can sound very exciting, but when you've actually got to end something else as a result of that, then that's sometimes not so exciting, particularly if you've been getting uh, a lot of fulfillment and a lot of satisfaction out of whatever it is that you may have been doing previously. So beginnings aren't always exciting for some people, but they indicate that there will be an ending somewhere along the line so that you get a new beginning on there. So the two of them are kind of related a bit like the chicken and the egg. You won't get a beginning without some sort of an ending on there. So as I said, we're not going to be going into specific things for you, but I really want you to be thinking about the sorts of things that God speaks to us about in regards to what is it that he has before us. So I've just got seven points for you this morning. I'm only going to be spending a couple of minutes, I guess, on each of those points, but it should be meaty enough for you to take something away and really allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. So let's invite him in right now. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence, which is already here in an amazing way. Thank you for the lives and the hearts that you have already touched. And Father, I pray that as I speak this morning, Lord God, that you will speak through me. God, you know what every single person needs to hear. There's things that you want to deposit into people's spirits. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you will minister through me and that every person would hear the things that you want to speak to them, Lord God. There's no point them getting away with and hearing words of man. They want to hear words of God. And so I avail myself and I pray that you will give us all ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So my first point then is preparation and timing. So when we're talking about beginnings, there will be a preparation season and there's timings on when those things happen as well. And first of all, let me just say that when we're talking about beginnings, it's not always going to be those mega life-changing moments. All of us in our journey of life, there's going to be different times when there are beginnings and endings of various little things. So don't be trying to, I suppose, pigeonhole this into going, oh, Pastor Bruce is just talking about really big things. Well, yes, but I'm also talking about the small things as well. And the small things can be just as impacting on our lives as can the big things. You can have something really small not going well in your life, but like a pebble in your shoe, 
it can feel incredibly uncomfortable and it can incredibly unsettle you as well. So beginnings and endings don't have to be the big things. They can be the small things and everything in between. So just bear that in mind as we're talking about these things this morning. So there's going to be preparation time for some of the things that God brings your way and there'll be timing when those happen as well. I'm going to be, again, uh, surprisingly, looking at Scripture because I want you to see from the Word of God, these are the sorts of things that God talks about. And and this might, you know, everyone's obviously been walking with God a different length of time in a meeting like this. Some of you might have been Christians for many, many years, decades perhaps like myself, and some of you might be reasonably early to the faith or reasonably new to the faith. And I know what it's like that when you're reading the Bible, I remember this as, a, as an early young Christian, I'd read the Bible as my devotional, I'd do that pretty much every day or as, as often as I really could because that was you know, we were encouraged to do that. It was a good thing to do, and it certainly is, and I would encourage you uh, to do that as well. But I'd be reading the Bible and think, right, that's, that was you know, an interesting chapter, and I'd learn some history about God. I'd learn some history about Jesus and the things that he did, and, and the Holy Spirit would speak to me, and I'd go, wow, that's really powerful, and that, those sort of thoughts would stay with me during the day. And then I'd listen to someone up here like me uh, give a message similar to this one, and they would say, the Bible says this, this, and this, and they pull out this scripture, and I go, Really? I, I never saw that. I've read that. I don't disagree. But when I read it, it didn't kind of like look like that to me. So that's why I think it's great to come to church services like this and hear the word like this, because my job is to help bring the scripture alive to you and to show you that there is power in God's word. It's not just a devotional. It's not just something to read in the morning or at the night. It's not just a history lesson. It's not just so that you can get Christian theological knowledge. It's so that you can get empowered by God's word, which is alive and living, and have it speak into your life. And my job is to help you understand some of those things by pulling out key scriptures and saying, this is what God's word says. And then contextually, you can read it in the chapter that it's in, because you need to do that. Don't just take someone's word like mine even. Don't just take my word for it. Read the scripture in context, ask the Holy Spirit for understanding and be empowered yourself. God will speak to you just as much as he speaks to me, hopefully more than you, because I don't think I hear him well enough as I'd like to. So allow God to speak to you through his word as well. Amen. So first scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, that doesn't mean that all things, just like that, have become new. It is a process. Everything in God is a process. There's a timing in in God. Jesus is coming back soon. Well, we're 2018 years down the track. Soon is still coming at some particular point. So when you read scriptures like this, don't get frustrated when you go, well, hang on, this scripture says old things have passed. doesn't feel like all those old things have passed in my life. Amen, I'm there with you too. There's a whole bunch of old things that are still hanging around, germs excluded or germs included. And there's new things that I'm waiting to happen. But this scripture here promises to me that that is true. This scripture promises that all things will become new in my life. And I've just got to partner with God and hang in there and allow him to bring about those changes. So first of all, can I encourage you that it is a process. Not all of these changes, not all of your beginnings and not all of your endings will be instantaneous, but they will be a process. Don't give up on God. It's like when you learn a new sport or a new skill. Hopefully you don't give up on the first time that you don't quite get it done. Riding a bicycle, 
Um, that's not an easy thing to do. I remember growing up as a kid, uh, and some things for me took a lot longer to learn and master than other things, and riding a bike was one of them. So, you know, my parents did what all great parents do, got me a bicycle when I was younger. I think I might have been about uh, five or, or four, perhaps even, and they got a bicycle, and they got the whole trainer wheels, and for whatever reason, my hand-eye skill coordination just wasn't there. My older brother, uh, he was fine with it. He off, off he went, two, two wheels all by himself. I just couldn't actually handle that, and I used to kind of like lean so much on these training wheels that the little brackets that they were on were bent. They started out as an L shape and it looked like a U shape by the end of it. Uh, and I just really couldn't master it. And I just kept on getting more and more frustrated. My parents were as encouraging as they could be, but it was just too much for me. And I said, look, I'm not interested. It's not happening. I can't ride a bike. Oh, and I think I said the usual thing. I'll never be able to, which is what we always say when something doesn't quite work out. So um, basically my parents got rid of the bike and I said, look, that's it. I'm done. And it wasn't until several years later, uh, we were actually driving through the northwest of Western Australia. We went away uh, every school holidays and just toured the northwest, which was a fantastic way to grow up and just see different parts of the country. Um, and uh, we, uh, on one occasion, we were driving a car and this old Holden Kingswood of ours just went almost all the way around Australia. And one day it basically said, I've had enough. So the engine blew up. Uh, halfway between Kununurra and Halls Creek. So I know some of you know where that is. Basically, it's the middle of nowhere. Uh, and we're talking early 70s. So there was not a lot of stuff around there either. Certainly no GPSs and mobile phones and things like that. So we pulled over by the side of the road with this clearly blown engine. How did you know that? Well, we lifted the bonnet. There was oil all over the place. And there were things sticking out of the engine that weren't sticking out when we started the trip. So we kind of like knew, you know, we're stuffed basically. This is, this is not really good. Um, and so this uh, truckie came past and actually pulled over and realised that we were in distress. And he said, look, I know you're probably going in the wrong direction because we were trying to head back down to Perth. And he said, look, I live back in, um, back in Kununurra. Um, if you'd like, I will tow you back to Kununurra. So he actually did that. And, and him and his family were just so, so amazing. I wasn't a Christian then. My family wasn't and the rest of them still aren't at the moment. If they weren't Christians, I don't know why they weren't, because they were just so hospitable to us. They actually said, not only will we bring you back to our home, uh, back to our place, but you can stay with us. So we'd organised to get a new engine, freight it up, but that was still going to take like about three or four days. And they said, come in our house, live in our house, we'll look after you until your new engine arrives. So it was just such a great blessing, wasn't it? Thank the Lord for them. And if they're not in his kingdom, let's pray them in. And so in that, um, I got friends with, they had a couple of young boys around about the same age as myself and my brother. And we got to become really good friends in a short space of time. And that is where I learned to ride a bicycle. And so long story short, don't give up. Some things won't happen instantly, but give yourself time and give God time to work in all those different things as well. Okay, so preparation and timing. Give yourself some time to change. And another scripture showing you that it isn't necessarily an instant thing. Here we've got now 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. Therefore do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So again, God letting us know that it is a process that we need to go through. And I love some scriptures where it's really God saying, be easy on yourself, take it easy on yourself. Because if you're a bit like me, I want to be perfect, which of course will never happen. And I want to be there yesterday, pretty much like most of you as well. So I love reading verses like this where God says, it's okay, it is a process, don't lose heart, I want to encourage you. You know, anyone that thinks that God is against us, like, man, you just got to read the Bible. 
God is not against us. He is so for us. But like any good parent, there are things that he wants to prevent us being harmed by. So he does give us boundaries, but they're for our protection because he loves us. And so let me encourage you that God just absolutely loves you so much. And just go searching his word. If you don't think that's real for you and you go, well, that's great, Bruce. That's one verse. Show me others. Well, let me encourage you. Look for others yourself. There are so many verses in the Bible where God really wants to encourage us along the way. So it is a process and timing. Now, there is going to be preparation and a bit like when you're cooking a meal, uh, we had a uh, soup competition earlier on during the winter months of uh, this month uh, for our evening services and we had rotating teams that uh, each went through. So we had a staff team, different staff members cooked them. We had connect groups, we had different serving ministries and so I obviously fell into the, uh, the staff team and I did some cooking and I don't do a lot of cooking. Um, I like to open the box, uh, punch in the number on the microwave, press the start button, and that's my cooking. Uh, But I do actually take it out of the bowl and put it into a real plate and then eat. That's my kind of way of thinking, well, you know, it's almost like real food. But, um, But I didn't do that for the soup competition, okay? I did real recipes. I went to the shops. I bought real ingredients. I did actual chopping and grinding and pasting and stirring and mixing and, like, I'm a whole new man. It was unbelievable. So there was a huge amount of preparation time involved in that. And sometimes preparation time can just be really like, oh, yuck, is it over yet? But there is a purpose in preparation. Preparation is so that you are ready for the next thing that is there. And it's not always fun. So let me show you a little image here on some preparation and some testing that if you were directly involved in this, might not have been fun. So let's have a look at this image. Thanks, Colton. Now, you need to look hard at the image because there is a runway over on the right-hand side of the picture. There is a runway on the left-hand side which has now gone off screen. So that plane has just taken off. And if you do the comparison on the angle of the plane versus where the ground looks like, you're right. It's a 45-degree angle taking off. Now, hopefully, if you've flown recently, you didn't experience that. That is the, uh, what's no longer a brand new, but that's the Boeing 777 Dreamliner. And that's part of what they do. They do uh, stress testing on the vehicles, on the planes, and they make sure they prepare them. And they make sure that they can do what hopefully they never normally do during normal service. But if, for whatever reason, the plane ended up being like that, you can be assured that it won't fall apart and that it's been designed to handle that sort of stress and a whole bunch of other things as well. It's also that the designers know the limits. Now, God is your designer and my designer. And he also wants us to know the limits. And so there will be some of what feels like those testing times, but it is so that we know our limits, so that we know that we can endure what we think we can't. And he gives us strength, even though we think we're not going to be able to survive. So when it comes to things beginning and ending in your life, know that part of that process is there's preparation and there's timing for all those things to work themselves out. All right, so that's my first point there, preparation and timing. On to the next one, which is called seeing differently. So with beginnings, it's quite understandable to be thinking about something ends and something else changes. And if I'm going to be beginning something, then there's going to be this major uh, quantum shift or this significant change in my life. Well, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes perhaps the beginning is really just seeing things a little differently from what is already there. Really just we're talking about changing your perspective um, and being able to see things that perhaps you hadn't seen before. 
So when it comes to the human eye, they're pretty much incredible. Uh, Even up until this day and age, we've got high-resolution cameras, high-resolution, the latest iPhone just came out again this week, and again, increased resolution. But even with all the technology we've got, the technology still cannot match the resolution and the clarity of the human eye. And we're talking, you know, a good 50 or 60 years of tech stuff coming out. So the human eye is quite amazing. And the human eye also detects different colour spectrums. So a bit of a science lesson for you here, but there will be a point afterwards. So I've got another slide for you there. Um, Thanks, Colton. This is the three different colours, the colour spectrums that your eye can discern, which is all very fascinating. So we've got the red, the green, and the blue on there. But if you were to, and you can probably tell that there's a picture of an apple there, but if you were to change your focus and change your vision and only look through one coloured lens, your view and your perception and your understanding of what an apple looks like and even what, what colours an apple actually is, it would be incredibly distorted because if you were just focused on one aspect only. So if you look through the red one, you go, oh, that's interesting, it's a red apple, that's great, and it has black leaves. Isn't that interesting? A fruit with black leaves. But then if you only looked at the green one, you'd actually say, well, it's got, a, it's got green leaves, but the fruit itself is actually black. And, of course, if you just look through a blue filter, from that perspective, you'd say, well, this thing's all black. It's a black fruit. It's it's black leaves. It looks pretty boring. But your human eye was not designed to look at just one colour spectrum all by itself. You were meant to take in everything that is before you. So the next slide, just a variation on that one, still shows you the three colours. And there it is, the full colour spectrum that your eye can actually see. Then you really do see that it is a red apple. And not only that, there's variations of redness within there. There's a shiny spot on there. There's the green leaves up the top there where it's come off the tree. And there's variation in the green as well. Your eye doesn't just see standard flat colours. There's a lot of clarity and depth that is in there. And the final slide, thanks, Colton. Those are the three colours that we actually get to see, combination of those, uh, yellow, magenta and cyan. And with those three primary colours, you can see any colour and create any colour that is under the sun. But a bit like all those different colour views, if we look at a situation in our life through one perspective only, we've got a very narrow vision of that. And it will colour our vision, it will colour our mind, it will colour our understanding and be pretty restrictive you won't see the full thing. But the thing that you're struggling with, perhaps, the thing that you're grasping with, the changes that might be imminently before you, you need to change, perhaps, the focus, the way in which you are looking at it, and look at the broader picture, and allow God to speak to you as well. Because chances are, the thing that you're hoping for or wanting to have happening, it's possibly right before you. You just can't actually see it yet, or see it in the clarity that God intends. All right, so just that, a brief point there. That's point number two then, seeing things differently. Point number three, methods, yesterday's and today's. Again, when it comes to change and things that are happening, I heard this thing recently that uh, somebody said, all people like change. I thought, well, actually, I don't think all people like change because of the change that's required. When something nice happens, we like the outcome of it, but sometimes it can be a little bit uncomfortable. And so we can also pigeonhole God and even ourselves into methods. We go, well, okay, well, what happened yesterday? That method must be transferable. That must be working for me exactly the same way today. Well, not necessarily. Part of it will be leaving the old for the new. And that can sound great sometimes, but what if the old is really great? It's not easy to leave the old when there appears to be nothing wrong with the old. 
And very annoyingly, I find this in God. He wants me to leave something behind where I think there's nothing wrong with that. And why should I do that? And the next thing, I can't quite see it yet. And I'm thinking, I really don't want to actually do that. I um, had a car and uh, many years ago, and uh, conscious of lawsuits, I'm not going to say the brand or whatever, but it was a luxury European car. That's about as specific as I would get. Uh, and uh, we saved up a lot of time for that. And uh, Robin, my wonderful wife, allowed me to purchase that. It was one of my uh, birthdays. And I absolutely loved that car. It was absolutely fantastic. I didn't get a brand new, uh, tried to be economical with our finances. But it was a lovely car, loved every single kilometre of it. And eventually, though, obviously cars get older and things start to go wrong. And, and the beginnings of the things that were starting to break down were happening with that. And we made the tough decision to get rid of that car as great as it was. And at that time, I was like, yeah, but nothing's broken yet. But of course, in my mind, I was like, yeah, yet. Nothing's broken yet. Everything is still working at the moment. And uh, sometimes the car repairs can be quite expensive. So we decided to get rid of that. So that was a tough thing, leaving something old, leaving something that I knew for the unknown. And I got a new car, which was certainly not European and not really luxurious either, but still gets me from A to B. So I'm fine with that. But in our lives, in your lives, what's old and great, but you've got this feeling God wants you to leave it behind. That's where real faith comes in. That's where trust in God comes in to say, okay, God, as great as this is, I don't understand this, but if you want me to leave this behind, if you want to bring this change about in my life, then I am prepared to do that. The methods, we can easily think that the methods that worked yesterday are going to work again today. Well, try that in the sporting field. Whatever your favourite sporting team might be, it's either an individual perhaps or maybe a team, Whatever tactics and things that they did the last time they played, if they replicate that exactly the same, and I'm talking they run up to that goal at that speed, that distance from that player, they kick that ball at that particular time, of course, that'd be stupid. That's not going to happen because everything is going to be different. How many of us in our lives do that, though, with God? God, last time I did that and that happened, so this time I'm going to do that and that should happen happen? Probably not. As godly as that thing was that you did, that was the right thing to do in that situation for that particular instance. But it doesn't mean that it's the next thing that you should do for the next situation. We can be trapped into the method and so in love with the method that we need to really be in love with the maker of the method and not who is what we're trying to actually do. Be in love with the maker, not with the method itself. Okay, that's point three. Methods, yesterday's and today's. So by now, as I said, I'm not going to be giving you the what your thing is, but let me now change the focus a little bit to you as far as what stirs you. What are the things that excite you? What are the things that God might be wanting to do? Those things that could just be out there. There might be things that you're doing right now, and maybe all it is is that God's wanting to increase the level of whatever those things might be in your life. Sometimes what you do isn't necessarily the wrong thing and it's not always going to change, but God might want to bring extra ability, extra anointing, extra outworking of what some of those things perhaps are in your life. Got this uh, lovely scripture that I uh, just so in love with this one. This is Psalm 37 and verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. It's a twofold scripture there. Delight yourself in the Lord, 
and he will give you the desires of your heart. So yes, there are desires there, but God's wanting us to delight ourselves, to dwell in his presence, to love him, and that's not a hard thing to do because he's wonderful, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And if God created you, and this is where some people struggle, and um, I, I normally use this scripture in one of the courses that we run here in the church. Uh, the course is called EFM, stands for Equipped for Ministry, and we run that several times per year. It's free. You can come along and do that. Uh, we promote it heavily when it's up and coming, so uh, keep your ears open and you can come along and, and join the next one. And a lot of what we do in this EFM course, Equipped for Ministry, I like to also think of it as Equipped for Life. Because it's really helping you discover the things that God has placed inside of you. Those dreams, those desires, those giftings, those abilities. And whether they're in a church sense, in a work sense, in a family, your life has components all over the place. And God wants to work through every single part of your life in every single environment that you are in and in every single arena. And so one of the scriptures that we talk about through that course is this particular scripture. God will give you the the desires of your heart. And so if God created us, God has given those desires. He's the one that put them there in the first place. And I do sense uh, hesitancy sometimes from people when they go, oh, I'd like to do this, but... And there's almost like this shyness or this embarrassment about this thing because they think whatever that is, that somebody might devalue it, uh, laugh at them perhaps, think it's silly, think it's stupid. Not so. If God created you and he's placed desires in your heart, then those are wonderful things and only you can do them which is why he's placed them in your heart, not in someone else's. Every single one of us, there are things in God's life that he intends to do through us. And if we don't, then people are actually missing out. So don't be selfish. Be in love with the things that God has given you and look forward to having outworkings of those. So here this morning when we're talking about beginnings, what are these sorts of things that stir you? Keep an open ear to God. If you're not sure, well, how am I supposed to know what that is? Well, if people know you well enough, how would they describe you? What would they say about you? If I got to sit down with you over a cup of coffee or something like that, and I started talking to you, what would you start talking to me about? And if it's like three hours later and we're still going, what are those things that I just can't get you to shut up about in a nice way? Those things that you are passionate about, those things that you really love and you really enjoy, well, that's a pretty good clue. Those are some of the desires that obviously God has placed in your heart. So what stirs you? Be looking for those things when you're considering all these changes that might be happening before you. All right, so that's point four, what stirs you? On to number five, the cost. This is nasty, sorry, but I do love you. Counting the cost. There actually is a cost. New beginnings require sometimes significant changes and they do require a cost to be paid. You've probably all heard about news reports and uh, there'll be some amazing athlete or an actor that's just popped up out of nowhere and they use this phrase, overnight success. And it's just like, it's not overnight success. It's perhaps overnight discovery of that person. But that person didn't get overnight success. Any amazing sports person unlikely woke up that morning and all of a sudden were able to shoot balls like uh, Michael Jordan or hit cricket balls like... You know, name your famous cricket star. You can tell I'm not a sports guy, can't you? But uh, anyway, you insert the blanks on there. But those, act, those uh, sports people, those actors, they didn't get like that overnight. They paid a price. They paid the price of months, probably years, of practicing, developing, 
honing the things inside of them that they wanted to do themselves. So for us, there is that cost of doing it, but the rewards are absolutely amazing. So embrace your new beginnings. Be prepared to pay the price for those things that God has set before you. Don't waste your time on the things that aren't you, okay? I've Obviously, I've got uh, some, some musical skill inside of me. It's not that great. And at the moment, as it stands, it's not good enough for me to get up on this platform and bring my musical skills. Now, it could be, but I would need to invest a lot of time, effort and energy to get to a level that anyone would want to hear me. I'm not trying to be proud here or, or humble. You wouldn't want to hear me do my musical instrument stuff without a lot of practice. And I don't feel it's the good use of my time to spend that amount of effort to do that but I should spend my time doing the other things that God's really called me to do as well. So have a balance in there with the things that you'd like to do versus what is really you or not. All right, that's point five, the cost. Point number six is others. Remember, we're still talking about new beginnings, things that are happening in your life. There will be others in your life including yourself. Expect to shock yourself, but more than likely, expect others, and particularly those that are close to you, to perhaps give some resistance, to give some pushback when there are things, particularly the things of God, that are happening in your life. And again, I'm conscious that this message is sort of somewhat uh, public. It's going out to our YouTube channel and all over the place, so I won't give you too many details on this next example, but as a young Christian, uh, there was there was some people very connected and very close to my life who had a, had a voice, a very strong voice. And I was a new Christian for about six months or so. And uh, one of these people came up to me one day and they said, you know, Bruce, um, some of us were really concerned about you. And I said, oh, really? Well, what are you concerned about? And they said, well, we've seen this whole change about you, the whole this whole God thing. And these were people that weren't Christians. This whole God thing and this Christianity thing. They said, it's really changed you. It's like you're a whole new person. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. And that's not the response they were looking for. They thought they were doing me a favor and saying, Bruce, we're really concerned about you. And it's like, no, 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 you've, you've actually done me a favor. Thank you very much. Yes, that was the goal. I should be a new person. Scripture says and I'm born again, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. So those are the others, and I should not have listened to them, and I didn't. I mean, I listened in the sense that they saw the change about me, but I didn't listen to what they wanted for me. What they wanted for me was to stop all this silly Christian stuff and godly stuff and just go back to the person I was before. Well, those were the others' voices that I didn't listen to and should not have listened to. But surprise, surprise, you can actually get that from fellow Christians and fellow believers as well. And you've got to weigh up and exercise discernment and love and compassion towards them. I'm not saying go against them, but just realize they're seeing a snippet of your life. They're not living in your shoes. They're not living in your life. And if you're going through some stuff and making some changes and doing some things that you believe God has led you to, you're accountable to God, not them. You're not accountable for them, and they're not accountable for you. So graciously just go, okay, fine. And over the years, I've had people, you know, give me suggestions as well, and I've just smiled sweetly, and thanks very much, and this is what happens. Vroom, straight over there. Sometimes, I'm not always perfect, sometimes it goes in here, and it hurts. Not necessarily because they've intended to hurt me, but it just does sometimes by what people say. So can I encourage you, when that happens, then you just say, God, what they said really hurt me. Pray for them, bless them, and God, would you help take this thing out of my heart and lay it at the foot of the cross on there. 
So don't be listening so much to others in some instances, unless those others are godly people that you respect and can speak into your life in a wise way. So I'm not saying ignore others all the time, but just add that wisdom in there uh, from God. So others can be incredibly powerful sometimes. That change, they should be seeing the change. If people know you well enough, they should be seeing changes within you. And here's a scripture that talks about that. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, there's a lot that you can get out of that scripture, but what it's also talking about is as a, as a young believer and then changing things and going through different things and making those adjustments in your life as you should. And it's those things that the others will see sometimes. And so it's okay, that's actually what's meant to be happening. You're not doing anything wrong, you're probably doing everything right if people see those things happening in your life. So just bear that in mind. Okay, it's point six, others. On to point number seven, uh, which is talking about endings and leaving. Endings and leaving. And I might just actually get the worship team, if you guys could make your way back as well, uh, because I'm getting towards uh, wrapping up this particular message for you this morning. And the reason why I was like, wow, he's wrapping up already? Not quite yet, but we're heading in that direction. But we're going to be sharing communion as a church family, and so we want to have that as part of what we're doing this morning. So don't switch off. Keep on in there. So point seven, endings and leaving. As I said before, beginnings will mean endings. There will be some endings along the way, and that's hard. Great story in the Bible here. This is about Abraham. Abraham had to leave what he had known to follow the promises of God. The pursuance of what that was, it wasn't guaranteed. I mean, God promised it, but Abraham didn't know that. I don't know what his level of faith was. He'd had an interesting journey with God over the years, but he needed to make some significant changes for what he believed and what God told him was happening on here. The thing about Abraham is that He needed to make a change before the change. And that will be the case in our lives sometimes as well. We will need to make a change before the change actually takes place. What do I mean by that? One of the things that God did was that he changed Abram's name. His name was Abram and he changed it to Abraham. And that was before anything else happened. Now, Abraham means father of many nations. So God gave him this new name before that had actually come to pass because at this stage, Abram didn't have any children of his own. Yet God promised him that he would and he said, by the way, I'm going to change your name as well as a great daily reminder. But I can also imagine that would have been a great source of him getting just daily flack and copying it from people all over the place because every time they'd say, what was your name again? Abraham. I thought you were Abram. No, 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 I'm now Abraham. I'm now the father of many nations. And interesting sidebar, when I was thinking about this, I thought, you know what's really fascinating about that is that I get that God wanted to give him a different name so that it would be the promise and it would be a daily reminder to Abram about what God was promising to him. But that name, Father of Many Nations, there would have been other ways in which Abram's life could have been described as the future that was about to be here. So I did a search on this for good boys Hebrew names or Jewish names. And here's one of them. Abram's name could have actually been Ephron. Now, Abram is pretty different from Ephron. Ephron means doubly fruitful. 
Now, in my mind, if you were changing your name, and in those days, the name actually had the meaning. I've got to explain it to you now. But in those days, people knew by the name exactly the meaning behind the name. So even then, that still would have been pretty significant to say, I'm not Abram anymore. I'm Ephron. I'm not Abram. I'm doubly fruitful. He still would have got the same pushback from people. What do you mean you're doubly fruitful? Well, I'm going to have children on my own, and there's going to be lots and lots of them. God's promised that to them. So I think from that perspective of... Abram needing to change his focus, daily he would have had to introduce himself as Ephron. People would have known the meaning behind that. It still would have worked. But you know why I think God changed it from Abram to Abraham? It was a change, but not a significant one. It was still something that was familiar to him, but not totally alien. Enough of a change, but not a change so that he didn't even know who he was anymore. And so for us, when God's bringing about changes, they will unlikely be huge, life-altering, everything in your life changes. And I'm meaning everything. Everything in your life changes. That will be somewhat unlikely. But the changes will be there. They might be uncomfortable, but they should still be a level of familiarity. You are still who you are in the essence of all of that. So that's my little takeaway on that one. Beginnings and changes they will require you to also leave some things behind. Now, I talked before about a cost. Well, part of the cost is leaving some things behind. It might be things that you're involved in before that might not have been sinful, but maybe they're just not that great for you. Uh, We were blessed. Uh, They would say they were blessed, but we were blessed to have a whole bunch of uh, men here from a great ministry called Shalom House. They came here for our Father's Day, which we call Honor Men Day, because we like to honor all men, not just those that happen to be fathers. And so they were our special guests. We invited them here to our evening service. And so that's a great ministry that helps men deal with some major life control issues that they've got various addictions and other things that might be happening in their lives. And so that's a great ministry. And it's, it's a long-term living program. They need to leave the environment that they're in. And some of these people have got families, they've got young children, they've got wives, but this is a living program. And the reason why they do that, and there are other ministries that do this as well, Teen Challenge is one. Uh, I've been involved in Teen Challenge many years back. And the reason why they do that is to take away some bad influences, people that will try and draw you back into the very thing that you're trying to get away from. And so there sometimes does need to be the leaving behind of certain things. If you're trying to get away uh, from the drug and alcohol lifestyle, those people that are currently in it probably aren't going to be able to help you as much as the other people. If you are in the ocean drowning, a drowning person can't help another drowning person. It's that simple. A drowning person can't help another drowning person. You need someone else who's not like that, who's in a better position to be able to help you. So for us, sometimes you will need to leave some things behind. At the same time, there will also be things that should be non-negotiables for you, things that you won't leave behind, things that you won't stop doing. As a Christian, I've got a whole bunch of non-negotiables. I probably don't want to give a whole bunch of specific examples because I don't know what each of your situations are, but certainly anything that's going to affect my walk with God, anything that will affect me being a part of this great church family, those are a couple of non-negotiables. No matter what comes my way, I will not be involved in any of those things that affect that. 
And then, of course, I've got God's principles. If it's against God's word, then I won't be involved in it. And even if it starts to draw me away, it might not be sinful, but if it draws me away, well, I will steer away from those things as well. So I've got some non-negotiables. So can I encourage you, work out what your non-negotiables are. They should be godly non-negotiables. And then don't let other, oh, this looks like a great opportunity. It might be a great opportunity, but what's it going to make you leave behind? If it's going to be impacting negatively in your life, then actually it's not a great opportunity. No matter how great, no matter how sweet it might taste or look to you. Be prepared what you're going to let go and what you're not going to let go. Okay, so that's my last point there, uh, endings and leavings, number seven on there. Overreaching all of this, the beginnings, is that the absolute beginning that every human being needs, the absolute beginning that God intends for every single person is to meet Jesus Christ, his son. The beginning of eternal life, and it actually begins when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart. And we provide opportunities every single service we have. And so this is our opportunity right now to provide you with an opportunity. So if you don't know about this Jesus that I've been talking about, I'm going to give you in about 30 seconds a couple of options, a couple of different ways in which you can respond to that. And you can start that new beginning in your life, the beginning of eternal life, the beginning of an amazing relationship with Jesus who is real. And you get to connect with the God of the Bible who is real, and we get to do that through Jesus. A couple of options for you. First of all, in a few moments, I'm just going to ask you, if you want to respond to Jesus in that way, you can simply stay where you're seated, but lift your hand, uh, and I will see that. And I'll be asking everybody to give you privacy, to close your eyes, just for a few moments. So that's one way you can respond. You can say, look, Pastor Bruce, yeah, I'm going I'm to say yes. I'm going to raise my hand up here. I'm going to start that new beginning with Jesus. If you don't feel to do that, uh, then we've got what we call a yes table. So if you're down here on this level three, as you leave the auditorium, the table on the right-hand side, you can go there. If you're up in the auditorium, up in the uh, level four balcony, you come down this level and to the right-hand side here is a yes table. You can go to those people and say, look, I didn't put my hand up, but I'd like to say yes to Jesus. I want, I want to start my beginning with Jesus. That's the second way. And the third way, up on the screen here is we've got the ability for you to just grab your phone out and send a simple text message. It's the most simple but most powerful text message you will ever send. Beats any emojis. All you need to do is type in the word yes to this number, 0488 826 392. All you need to do is text yes to that number. And that's another way that you can say yes. You think, can I say yes to Jesus that way? If you're doing it for real, if it's genuine, he knows that. So of course, It's just the 21st century way of being able to say yes to Jesus. If you do that, that will come to our church. It doesn't go off to some marketing campaign company. It'll come to us. And what we'll then do, we will send you a Bible verse for the next 30 days free of charge and a prayer that you can pray with that. After that time, you can opt into additional mini-series if you want to. You can stop at any time if you wish to as well. But that's just our way of blessing you. So three ways you can say yes to Jesus. So if I could just have every eye closed just for a moment, please. So you can say yes right now. You can begin eternity with Jesus. So first option, if you just want to pop your hand up, I'll see that. And we will all pray together with you as a church and lead you through a most simple but powerful prayer. So anybody like to respond in that way this morning by raising your hand as I just look around? All right then. Fabulous. Thank you very much, church. Uh, worship team. 
We are now going to take communion, as I mentioned. So this is another great thing we get to do. And in taking communion, and so we'll have a host team, host, so if you can just come forward and start serving us as well. Uh, when you receive the emblems, the, uh, the bread and the, the juice, just please hold those in your hands for a moment. We'll wait until everybody in the church has been served, uh, and then we will all eat and drink together. But this is an amazing thing. We get to do this, and I don't want to get into a whole bunch of scriptures this morning, but please encourage you at a later time perhaps read your bible have a look at many instances in the gospels in the new testament where what we're about to do is talked about so we've got a piece of bread which represents jesus broken body he was broken on the cross he gave his life for us so that we could be forgiven and have eternal life his blood was also shed on that same cross and so that's why we have uh, this red juice that signifies that it's a great physical tangible way of saying God this is so real to me and you can celebrate that and join in and Jesus did this with his disciples he gave them these emblems he gave them this model he gave them this method as a way to celebrate this incredibly powerful time but the only reason we get to do this is because there was a beginning for Jesus as well there was a beginning of him offering himself as a sacrifice, as a living sacrifice. His life actually needed to end so that we could then have that new beginning. I talked at the very beginning of this morning's message that for there to be a beginning, sometimes there needs to be an ending. So for Jesus, he saw that ending. And the scripture tells us with great joy set before him, he endured the power of the cross. He did that ending. He saw and experienced that ending of his life so that we would have a beginning, so that we would have a beginning of eternal life. And I just think that is such a powerful, incredible thing. And if you don't get a stirring of the Holy Spirit, can I encourage you, ask God to reveal to you in a more powerful way the impact of what we are about to do. Because I believe this is such a spiritual, a powerful thing that it should touch our hearts. It should touch our emotions. We are emotional beings. God gave us emotions. And this is a very powerful thing to do. Jesus could have just said those things, I guess, at that, uh, the Last Supper that he was at. He could have just said, this is what I'm about to do. But I think there was a very tangible way. And, you know, we don't have the opportunity to do this here this morning. But what was incredibly powerful is that on that first communion, he had a loaf of bread. It was a whole loaf of bread. He then got that and he broke it apart, signifying and visually showing what was about to happen to his body. He then got them to pass it around and each person tore off a piece of that bread. And that was pretty significant and it should be for us as well in that as they got that bread, they tore a piece off. The reason why they had to do that is because it's because of them that Jesus died on the cross. As they were tearing off a piece of that bread because of them, that's why Jesus' body was broken on the cross. And as he passed around a cup of, of uh, wine, it was itself, it was a whole wine. And then some was poured out for each individual person. Again, powerfully signifying and representing the shed blood of Jesus. So these emblems are incredibly powerful. It's just bread. It's just juice. But it's the broken body of Christ and it's the shed blood of Christ. Now, the team, we've uh, done this before, so that's why we haven't got them up here. But let me lead you in prayer as we uh, take this communion meal together as a family of God. Father God, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. 
We thank you for the tangible emblems that we have before us, for your broken body, for your shed blood. Lord, we thank you for that. May it have ever-increasing impact on our lives. May we never make this a religious thing that we do. May we never just do it because that's what you do. But God, I pray that today will be an increased time of effectiveness, that we will so know and love you, Jesus, for what you did for us. But we eat and drink this in joy, in celebration, in great thankfulness that we can and because of what you did for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's eat and drink together. So this is an incredible thing that we get to do. It's another way that we can love Jesus. It's another way that we can worship him by doing that. And so the worship team now, they're going to lead us into some more worship time. Thank you, team.